Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is behind the steel curtain editor, Dave Schofield, coming at you again on Thursday morning to drop some numbers to you. Man, it's it's interesting trying to get back to the title editor. Um, that's what I was saying a year ago, and it took me forever to, to, to get used to that. Then Jeff came back and he's like, let's just call us co- co-editors. And so then it took me a long time to call myself that. I wanted to go back to saying deputy editor again. And then now I get to go back to editor as Jeff is now the senior editor uh, where he should be. And we appreciate everything Jeff does. If you haven't caught his uh, Let's Ride podcast this week, make sure you go back and do that. Uh, Had some very good, interesting stuff. Now, he did say something in his one that was during um, when he was doing his Q&A session in the green room um, in that app that it was about David DeCastro and the cap savings. If something happened where he decided to retire and he was pretty close. He said about $8 million where it's an $8.75 million contract salary that the Steelers would save. But once you factor into placement, it would be just under $7.95 million. So I thought I'd clean that up for him in as geeky way as possible um, that he did a pretty good job of estimating that. But those were the exact numbers. But we are here to talk more Steelers numbers and other things. Oh, man, have some interesting, couple interesting tidbits uh, today. Have some questions about offensive and defensive ranks and how the Steelers have done with those and everything over it, throughout history. We'll get to that in a second. Have some really interesting things that I just kind of stumbled across when it came to sack numbers from 2020. Uh, that we'll get into in the second half of the show. Before we do, we are in the dog days of summer, as Jeff Hartman likes to say. We are in the downtime. We've got no news, or at least we say no news is good news, with the exception of a couple things. I did an article about that on Wednesday at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And I talked, I brought up three scenarios of where it would be good news for the Steelers, things that we're expecting to have from the breaking news department. And that is finally telling us the exact dates and location of training camp, getting official word that Kendrick Green has signed his rookie contract. That's two. And then the third thing would have to happen. The other two have to happen before training camp, pretty much. But the other one that doesn't have to happen is if the Steelers happen to sign someone else to their roster, uh, make a move in that regard. So if you want to know more about that, it's it's on the website. It's there. You can find it. You know where to go. Let's dive in. Feels like I got the same old, same old people, although I already have a question for next week that I'm going to tackle because it was a pretty good one that I got uh, on Wednesday after I'd already prepared for today's show. So that's one I'm looking to do in the future. But this is once again from Brian Haynes. And he his question is about, he said, our defense has been a glue that keeps the team together since time began with a few years in there that we don't want to talk about the defense not being what it is. And he wants to know about, you know, having a number one defense or a top 10 defense and everything. He asked three questions. One of which is one I'm the one I'm really going to dive into, and the other one kinda, and the other one you'll see. First question. He says, heading into this season, where does the defense rank? I will tell you this. All defensive ranks right now are speculation. It's always based on actual numbers and production. So you could look at places like Pro Football Focus or Pro Football Talk or CBS Sports or other places that are putting out where they rank teams and whatnot. 
um, overall, by offense, defense, things like that. that but, but those rankings don't matter because when we talk about these other rankings, they're from actual numbers achieved during the regular season. Now, if you want to know what makes an offense or defense where they rank overall, what they general the general consensus in the NFL is done by yards. If you're the number one ranked defense, it means you gave up the least amount of yards. If you're the number one ranked offense, it means you gained the most amount of yards. But there's another one in there, and this is the one that Brian Anthony Davis likes much better because he's like, I don't care about yards. Teams can get yards in garbage time when you're beating them, you know, 37 to 2, you know, which I could understand. But what's more important, he thinks, is the points. So I would address both of those issues. But when I actually go to look at the actual official breakdowns, they will be based on yards because that's just the way it's done. Whether that's the right way to do it or not, that's up to you. So first part of his three-part question was, where do they rank going into it? No idea. And I'm not speculating that. I would rather get the data. I mean, they'll tell you what ranked defenses are after one week of the season based on the data of the from the one week they have and things of that nature. But we don't have any of that data. So I'm not, I'm not going there. So second, he's asked in successful years, where do the offense and defense rank respectively? We're going to look at that one as we look at the third question, which is how often, if at all, have the Steelers had top five offense and defense in the same season? So we're going to look at seasons where the Steelers ranked really high. And then we're also going to look at some of these seasons where they had some pretty good success and kind of compare them. So let's dive in. Okay, this is lots of fun. This just and this is all the information I'm getting up uh, just to let you know, my number one go-to site for NFL statistics and everything else is Pro Football Reference. Okay, make sure you get that last one right, Pro Football Reference, where you can go in all kinds of great data. I mean, even when I'm looking at numbers, you know, jersey numbers, things like that, m- almost all the data that I'm getting on is I'm getting at least part of it from Pro Football Reference. So got to give them a shout out. They do a real nice job um, of compiling uh, NFL data. So let's look at the number of times the Steelers had both a, what was it? It was both a top five. I almost said top 10. Uh, and you'll find why that would be silly. When when the Steelers had both a top five offense and defense based on yards surrendered. And I'll throw in a little extra thing about that. It's actually five seasons in the in the history of the franchise. Five. That's it. I'd even argue that it's really three. Because the first time was in good old 1942. Because in 1942, the Steelers had the fourth best offense when it came to yards and third best defense. Now, they actually ranked the exact same when it came to points. Fourth in points, third or for, for offense, and third in points for defense in 1942. The only problem was there's only 10 teams in the league. So, oh, they made it in top five in both. All that meant was they were the top half of the league. That would just that would be like being in the top 16 today. Um, and the Steelers went seven and four that season, did not make the postseason. So just putting that out there. The next time was in 1958, where the Steelers were the third-ranked offense in yards 
And once again, the third-ranked defense in yards. When it came to points, they were fifth in points for offense and fourth in points for defense. So they fit the criteria for both of those as well. That was in 1958 where there were 12 teams. So once again, little asterisk next to it, the Steelers were 7-4-1 that season and did not make the postseason. Uh, they finished third in the division, which um, they finished se- second in the division in, in 1942, in case you really wanted to know. So there's those. Then we have the NFL merger when we start actually getting some decent number of teams and everything. And now I'm getting to the to the main answer, the good answer. 1979, the year the Steelers won their fourth Super Bowl, they were, for the first and only time in franchise history, I'm going to repeat that, first and only time in franchise history where they ranked as the number one offense in either yards or points. And guess what? They were the number one offense in both categories in that year, 79. Only time the Steelers have been number one in the NFL. That was out of 28 teams. They were also the number two defense in points. Oh, sorry. I said that backwards. Number two defense in yards. And they were the number five defense in points surrendered. So there's your main one to look at. That's... and. When I mean, when the defense is the second-ranked defense in the NFL and they're not ranked as high as the offense, that's crazy. So, But we all know about the 79 Steelers. That was a fantastic team. Um, won the Super Bowl, all of those wonderful things. I don't need to go on and on about that too much. But that is the only time in franchise history where the Steelers had the number one offense in the NFL, which is pretty interesting. Then there was a long spell. There was a 22-yard, yard, 22-year, <laughs> man, and then I said points. What am I doing? 22-year span from 1979 to 2001. In 2001, the Steelers were the number three offense in the NFL in yards and the number one defense in yards in 2001, lost in the conference championship. They won the AFC Central, I guess it was at the time. Um, and that was 31 teams. Got to make sure we realize that. That was 31 because that was right before the, they went up to 32 teams and went into four different divisions. Um, the Steelers, in that year, they were also the seventh-ranked offense when it came to points, and they were the third-ranked defense when it came to points. So they were th- – one just to recap in offense they were third in yards seven in points in defense they were first in yards third in points in 2001 so they they were like i said they they lost in the in the conference championship that year and the last year this is the one that stings this is the one that just kind of goes to show how bad it was and i think you know what i mean the steelers were top 5 in both categories in 2017. That's correct. That one, that that was one that that really sticks out. The Steelers were third in yards for offense, eighth in points, but we weren't looking at points. And they were fifth in yards for defense and seventh in points, which is crazy because we don't look at that 2017 team and think about defense. 
that was often the problem. And that's, it was, I still remember at the conclusion of that year that a lot of people were surprised that the Steelers were defense was ranked so high because it wasn't that they were anything all that grand at the end of the season, specifically because that was also the year um, with uh, where the Steelers lost Ryan Chazier and and things of that nature. So, which completely, completely changed their defense when when you look at that. So it's just that's how it was for the for the Steelers. And man, that made a difference in that year. It really did. But uh, I was at that playoff game, and that's why it was such a disappointment. That is why I will often say, resting players. It's one thing to rest the players in week in, in the final week of the season when you roll into the next weekend, but to rest them and have a bye, that's usually a recipe for disaster. It really is. So those are the examples of when there were. Where, where the Steelers were top five in both. Now let's look at some of the Steelers' most successful years and where they ranked. So just so you know, last year, the Steelers did have a decent year record-wise, not looking at the postseason. You know, they they won the division. They were they were third ranked in, all, in yards for defense, third in points, same for both. And for offense, they were 12th in points, but they were 24th in yards. So it was the offense letting them down. The year before was even worse when the Steelers were, they were the fifth ranked defense in both, but they were 30th in yards and 27th in points. We kind of know about that in that 2019 season. Um, But if you look back at where the Steelers have seen some success, we already covered the 2017 season. Um, It was a very interesting stretch there. In 2016, 2015, 2014, Steelers had pretty good ranked offense, not so much with defense. That was the thing. They were the the best out of those three years. The best ranked defense was in 2016 when they were 12th and the Steelers had the seventh, seventh in offense. But in those other years in 2015, 2014, it was the defense that was that was down. The defense was ranked in the double digits from 2013 to 2016 over those four years. So a lot of people want to talk about, oh, the Steelers wasted all this talent. This is the problem. And I know you very well might be one of those people listening to this right now, that they say the Steelers wasted all that talent when they had the killer bees and never got it, you know, never got to a Super Bowl. I mean, they made it to one conference championship, blah, blah, blah. Look at those defensive ranks. Okay. Steelers fans just weren't used to having that kind of offensive firepower. But guess what? When you don't have the defense, what are you going to do? That is showing you that was that was the exception for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good offense, lacking defense. And as we can see, we still want to say they wasted talent. No, they just didn't have any talent on defense to do what they needed to do. Not they didn't have any. They didn't have enough, I guess is the best way to say it. So remember that when you're saying that the Steelers wasted all that all that talent because you go back then when you get the offense back into the twenties, like in 2013 and 2012, I mean, 2012, the Steelers were the number one ranked defense as were they in 2011. Let's look at 2010. That's the last time the Steelers were at the Super Bowl. They were in defense. They were second in yards and first in points offense. They were 14th in yards, 12th in points. Okay. I could see that defense was kind of ruling today. How about 2008 when they won the Super Bowl? Are you ready? Defense, first in yards, 
first in points. Offense, 22nd in yards, 20th in points. Let's go back to 2005 when they won that Super Bowl. Defense, 4th in yards, 3rd in points. Offense, 15th in yards, 9th in points. So notice the defense wasn't as top of the league, wasn't number one overall, but they were still top five. The offense had to be a little bit better there to cover for it. Let's keep going back to some other key years. I always want to do 96 for the Super Bowl because it was played in the year 1996 because it was the last Super Bowl uh, before I graduated high school, but it was the 95 season. In the 95 season, this one was, was interesting. This one almost made the list to start everything off here because the Steelers were third in yards which was and ninth in points for defense, and they were sixth in yards and fifth in points for offense. So that was one of the Steelers' more balanced teams when it really came to it in recent years. Um, let's see, ninety-seven was a was a fairly balanced team, but the defense wasn't as high as it as, as it had been. Um, the one that that two thousand one team that they that really was one that stands out when you look at these. Um, because even the year before, 94, when the Steelers lost in the conference championship, they were the number two defense in both yards and points, but they were th- they were 13th in yards and 16th in points for offense. So they were a, mi- a middle-of-the-pack offense because there was 28 teams at the time, okay, and one of the best defenses in the league. That just kind of goes to show how it is. I don't really want to look through the 80s, um, lots of double digits, I mean, then there was some times where there were some single digits with the defense. Um, 84 offense was pretty good. Um, 83, it was the defense that that was solid. Um, but to really go back to it was, man, that 1979. First in both offensive categories, second in defensive yards, fifth in defensive points. 78 when the Steelers won the Super Bowl. How about third in yards for defense? First in points, eighth in yards for offense, fifth in points. Okay, that makes sense. 77, where they, um, one of the years they didn't have in there. Part of that was the defense was seventh in yards and 17th in points. Seriously. Oh, 76, which was deemed maybe one of the best teams ever to not win the Super Bowl because of the situation going on. Steelers were the number one defense in both categories, ninth in yards for offense, fifth in points for offense. But then just, you know, injuries had them for the postseason. Uh, Let's go to 75 and 74, those two Super Bowl seasons. How about um, fourth in yards and second in points for defense and seventh in yards, fifth in points for offense. Um, And then 74, first time the Steelers won the Super Bowl. Here we go. Um, first in yards, second in points for defense. Eighth in yards, sixth in points for offense. So you can see on those really successful years. Also remember, that was 2016. It's back in 74 and 75. So you, you saw those good rankings in there. When you keep going back, there's a lot. It's funny. You barely have double-digit teams, and yet the Steelers are double-digit ranks. That's just what happened before the drafting of Joe Green, which changed everything with the franchise. But as you can see, it really is, you can see it needs to be more balanced that, oh, yeah, can't just rely on the defense, got to have some offense. Absolutely. But I will tell you, as you can see, based on the years 2014 to 2017, even when the offense is great, if the defense isn't there, it's hard to win that championship. Just very good 
things to know right there. We're going to go ahead and take our break because I got some really great sack numbers coming coming back when we come back from commercial. So stick around and we'll be right back after Welcome back to the Steelers Stack Podcast. I am behind the steel curtain editor, Dave Schofield, still here. Hope you enjoyed the break <laughs> where, where I'd sit and cough off mic and things like that while you all listen to a commercial. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's break down some more numbers. Just had a lot of fun looking at those offensive and defensive ranks. It really does tell some paint an interesting picture, tells an awesome story when you really look at it. I'm going to look at some numbers now that I'm like, man, you could, this kind of goes to show that you can kind of fudge numbers a little bit here and there. And this was really tough to break these down into categories, but I did it anyway to let you, and I'm trying to be just as honest as it can, as it can be. I was looking at sacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers because Jeff Hartman and I are doing a 30 scenarios in 30 days leading up to training camp. It's basically some predictions that we're doing. My first one was that the Steelers would reach 60 sacks in 2021. I think they can get there because they have an extra game. You know, four more sacks in that extra game from if last year, if they had it, then they would have had 60. But I was also looking at, will their production fall off because of they lost Bud Dupree? And I had I, I I didn't say it in that article, but I had to do it now based on steel uh, the Steelers Vertex article that comes out today at behindthesteelcurtain.com that Mike Hilton also kind of factors into this a little bit as well. So I broke it down in games in, in the 2020 season of who played. Bottom line is just. If, if you played at all, because it's so tough to break down in what part of the game, if someone goes out injured, blah, blah, blah. All three of those players are players that missed time in 2020. Okay. Devin Bush missed 11 games. Bud Dupree missed five games. Mike Hilton missed four games. And what's also interesting is that two of those players are gone. So the question is, how much is that going to affect the sacks? But here's some interesting numbers that I found. Okay. The first five games of 2020, all three of those players were playing. So you had Devin Bush in the middle. You had Mike Hilton coming in as the, you could call him slot corner, but some people call him slot backer because he's almost doing linebacker like stuff. And you had Bud Dupree playing on the edge. And of course, all but the very last game of the season, TJ Watt didn't change in, in, in these scenarios. So I didn't even worry about, you know, what or, or to it, or, you know, some of those guys, you know, that missed a game or so didn't even factor those in just looking strictly at these three guys. So you can make these numbers move around based on those other things. But in those five games, the Steelers had 24 sacks in five games. They had 20 sacks in the first four. So if you look at the, at the, of them playing the full game, then you know that it would it would be a five sack per game average. But if you look at just games that all four of them appeared in together, the Steelers averaged 4.8 sacks a game. 4.8. Remember that. 4.8 sacks a game. Then you got into four games without 
Bush and without Hilton. None of these games for the rest of the season are going to have Devin Bush. Okay. We know that. Unfortunately, that's what happened. But you, but those same four games, there was also no Mike Hilton, just Bud Dupree. In those four games, the Steelers averaged three sacks per game. Okay. Lost Devin Bush, lost Mike Hilton, dropped down almost two sacks a game on average. Then Mike Hilton comes back. You've got no Devin Bush, but for two games, you have Bud Dupree and Mike Hilton. Steelers only averaged two and a half sacks those games. Now, I know their opponents have a lot to do with this. Um, so we're just kind of looking at it without those numbers. But honestly, the first one was Jacksonville, a game that the Steelers won 27 to 3. Then where you would think when you're leading for the majority of the game that you're going to have an opportunity to get more sacks. Okay. And then the other one was that was that Baltimore game um, that you had to wait forever to play. So they only averaged two and a half sacks in those games. Then, but Dupree goes out injured and all there was, was Mike Hilton for five games. It goes back up to three sacks a game, which is exactly what it was when it was just Dupree. So if you think of that, okay, just Dupree or just Hilton, three sacks a game, both Dupree and Hilton, only two and a half sacks a game, throw in Devin Bush. 4.8 sacks a game. So I don't know that you can really pin it down to just one player, but if you kind of look at this, it seems like it was Devin Bush that had the most effect on these things. And what's crazy is it's not like Devin Bush was the one blitzing and getting the sacks here. It's what Devin Bush does that you can do more things on defense to send more guys. Mike Hilton did not get a sack in which Devin Bush did did not play in the game. Mike Hilton's three sacks on the year were in the first four games of the season. He didn't have any after that because of how the Steelers had to change how they were covering things because of the loss of Devin Bush Um, as one of the factors. There was many factors. There was lots of losses in there. But real quick, just to run through this, I broke it down by each player, what their average was when that player played versus when they didn't. Just my player that's the only factor, not factoring in the other ones. So with Devin Bush, we we should realize this, that the Steelers averaged 4.8 sacks a game when Bush was playing, only 2.91 when he was not. Bud Dupree, when he was playing, 3.72 sacks a game. That was 41 sacks in 11 games. And without him, they averaged 3.0 sacks a game, where they got 15 sacks in five games. Mike Hilton, who missed four games in the middle of the season, With him, they had 44 sacks in 12 games. That's a 3.6 sack average. And actually 3.67, I do believe, is what I have there (laughs) written down in my notes. And without him, they had 12 sacks in four games, which was 3.0. So both Dupree and Hilton, when they weren't in the game, both of them had the same average. The Steelers had the same sack average of 3.0. Without Devin Bush, they were 2.9, 2.91. So, and no one was, was anywhere I mean, they weren't even within one sack per game of Bush, basic of just games when you're looking at him individually. So uh, based on the numbers, you can say what is going to help the Steelers get more sacks is Devin Bush, even though he's not the big or the guy that goes in and gets all the sacks. He just allows the Steelers to do other things to then be able to, to then get the sacks. 
I mean, he only had one sack last year. He only had one sack the year before. He has two career sacks, Devin Bush, two. But the Steelers get more sacks when Bush is in the game, or at least they did in 2020. So that's something really important to remember. So I just thought that was interesting and thought you all might want to hear about it. So yes, there's no Mike Hilton, but it's in the four games Hilton wasn't there. There wasn't as much of a drop-off. Um, yes, there's no Bud Dupree and yeah, Alex Hosmith only had two sacks in the year last year, but it's not always just about that, you know, player for player number of sacks. It's what you can do with the defense. I mean, I was, I was surprised that the, if, if you took, if you took Mike Hilton out of the equation and looked strictly at Dupree and Bush, Losing Dupree was not, I mean, they act, there was actually, the Steelers actually got more sacks without Bud Dupree than they did with Bud Dupree when Devin Bush was not in the lineup. Over those last 11 games of the season, the Steelers got more sacks in the games after Dupree was out than they did in the games where, where Dupree was playing, but Devin Bush was out. Isn't that crazy how all these players working together create a situation. And of course, as I know, it's the opponents. It depends on who you're playing, where you're playing and things like that. Game situations, all that. But if you're looking strictly at the numbers, those are the numbers. So I hope you enjoyed them today. Make sure you're checking out all the podcasts here at Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, we've got our audio-only ones that run in the morning, our half-hour shows, the the cool ones that have music, I guess I should say. Um, then we have our, our live shows on YouTube and Facebook in the evenings that then run around noontime the next day. That's going to be changing up when the regular season comes around because we're going to be adding some more podcasts to places. So make sure you stay tuned in to, to know about that. But if you want your Steelers fix, Behind the Steel Curtain is going to give it to you. I mean, we are we are publishing so many podcasts. I can't keep up with them. I can't listen to them all. And I'm the editor of the website. And I can't listen to all the podcasts because we have so many. I don't want a Steelers fan who listens to our podcast say, oh, man, I don't have anything to listen to right now. You're probably going to have to choose which ones. Oh, man, I'm not going to get to that one or something like that. Also, we are still churning out just as much content right now, even though the Steelers players are scattered to the wind and won't reconvene until the end of July. The content's still coming. We've got two series. I already talked about the one with Jeff and I doing the 30 scenarios in 30 days. Michael Beck and I were taking turns to make sure it's covered every day of the Steelers trifecta, which is we're, we're outlining three players from the roster every day. We're going through an alphabetical order. It's that simple. So we're doing those. Um, those are in the afternoons each day when they get published. The The ones with the predictions there, they come out in the morning. This is all East Coast of course. Um, so make sure you're checking it out. We've got great stuff. We're still, we still got the same authors bringing, bringing their, their views and everything. And then we've got the commentary pieces from Tony Defio and Shannon White. We've got the film stuff coming from Jeffrey Benedict and, and uh, Kevin Smith or Cliff Harris is still a punk, whoever you like to refer to him. So, and then you've got your, your, your regular, Factor fictions and weekend review stuff from a black and gold mind of Brian Anthony Davis chiming in. And then of course, just, just the, just stuff, I guess I should say for myself, Jeff and Michael, the, the three various editors of the website. So I uh, want to thank you for tuning in. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out with me.